0: Are you guys ready up there? All right. All right, quiet on the set.
1: back to another episode of adventures and movies my name is nathaniel muir and i'm the movie editor at aipt joining me on these ongoing adventures is not danny he's on special assignment however i do have uh, our halloween expert to join me on these ongoing adventures
2: <laughs> we're gonna go with rex <laughs> call me rex on this show thank you
1: rex. rex will be joining us this week um we're actually short-staffed but somehow we have a bigger cast than normal don't know how that works uh <laughs> Joining us, we have two special guests. Uh, Dog is guest number one.
3: Yes, hello. I am the uh, science editor for a website called AIPT Comics. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, It's also uh, the science and skepticism section, really, because uh, one of our mottos is uh, we don't really believe cryptics exist, but we like talking about them nonetheless. And... um, uh, we have an oversized cast today because I'm the asshole who invited somebody, another guest, as my guest, and that somebody is uh, Mr. Blake Smith, who uh, does the fantastic and immensely popular Monster Talk podcast, which you can find uh, anywhere you get your podcasts and uh, on uh, the uh, on his own website, Monster Talk website, as well as the website of Skeptic Magazine. Uh, it's been going on for I think at least ten years now, 10 years, hundreds yeah. of episodes. Yeah and uh, was the Excuse me, the 2012 winner of the Parsec Award for the Best Fact Behind the Fiction Podcast.
0: Blake Smith! Awesome! Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you very much for joining us, and we have a very special show tonight. Uh, we've talked cryptids before, but it is 31 days of Halloween, so we're going to talk cryptids, cryptids again with a little bit of a different flavor to it. Jared Leto will be returning to the DC like, is it the extended universe still I don't even know they're constantly changing things.
2: I guess so the the news is that oh well, the, there's a couple Jared Leto bits of news. One is that he's pissed that um, they made the a, a Joker movie without him, which is hilarious because just picture that that guy doing that perform like it just wouldn't have worked. but the uh, yeah so there, he's going back for reshoots. I guess new shoots to be put into the Snyder cut, which I don't know. I guess that makes it a little bit more intriguing.
1: <laughs> I did not want to see it at all. Um, it was going to be four hours, but then they said it was going to be split up into four episodes and an hour a piece to make it a little more palatable for everyone. But this doesn't make it any more interesting to me. What about you, Doug?
3: no, nah. No. <laughs> I always say, like, everyone always says, oh, the DC movies, the, the director's cut is better, the director's cut is better. Well, guess what? You don't get a do-over. You put the movie you want in theaters. I'm sorry. And, I, and obviously there are extenuating circumstances with uh, Justice League. But come on. I mean, does anyone honestly think it's going to be better uh you know jared leto the worst part of a bad movie in suicide squad uh (laughs) you know it's just going to be a different kind of bad than the original
2: (laughs) yeah it's just like the three topping pizza from little caesars instead of the two
3: (laughs) 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 would you (laughs) rather have a medium amount of good pizza or a lot of bad pizza (laughs) exactly
0: how do, how do, we and, don't know uh, how he's going to be used, though. Couldn't he just be like another parademon, like they did with uh, Daniel Craig with the Stormtrooper thing?
3: Yeah. Fake, <laughs> fake out. Fake out casting.
0: <laughs> that would be hilarious, actually.
2: <laughs> Try to find him. It's like, where's Waldo? Exactly.
3: In a strange of. twist, he'll be playing Robin Tyson. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, now
1: that would make it worthwhile. <laughs> So um, along with uh, Jared Leto uh, reprising his role as the Joker, uh, I don't know what's sadder. There's more delays that are coming out. That's kind of expected. But the Fast and the Furious franchise is apparently coming to the, to an end after the next two movies. What, what's the sadder of those two? news? All these delays that include Candyman and Don't Breathe 2, or that in our very near future, we're not going to have any more Fast and the Furious I mean, who buys that? <laughs> I don't buy it. Well, we saw Hobbs and Shaw, and yeah. that, that was awesome.
2: Yeah, that's the only one I've ever seen. So, yeah, that's the only one hey, I've ever Ditto. Seen. Yeah, <laughs> and so I loved it. So I, I don't care. I hope there's more Hobbs and Shaw. Is, is that is that the loophole? Is they're just not called Fast and Furious, and we get like more Hobbs and Shaw? Who knows? <laughs> 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 the
1: the only thing I know about the Fast and the Furious franchise is. Um, Someone told me that uh, it's really that's really evolved, which is already a funny word for that (laughs) franchise. But it started like the very first scene is literally Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, like robbing VCRs out of a pawn shop or something. (laughs) And then the last movie was The Rock pulling down a helicopter with his, you know, just a chain. Hey, The Rock?
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't Vin Diesel pulling that thing out of this guy? No, it was not.
3: Yeah. (laughs) So by evolution they mean it's like a trading card game where there's power creep. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's like a it's a, like a Pokemon when they evolve type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, do you guys uh, do you guys seriously believe they're going? I mean, they, uh, we laugh about JoJo, but they do make a lot of money. Do you, do you really think they're going to end the franchise after the two the next two movies, or do you think it'll be like they're gone and then you know in like five years they're going to be like oh guess who's back? I, <laughs> I imagine yeah, it's I, all revenue
0: driven
2: completely agree i think they'll do the famous you know they'll like reboot it or something you know which is i don't hard to believe but they reboot movies that they made 10 years ago now so it's true uh, yeah yeah and i completely agree revenues i mean money is king in all these conversations usually and uh yeah they'll they'll be cranking out stuff i mean they're just I, i had no idea how hugely popular they
3: are and they are ridiculously
2: hugely popular
3: I and people thought... de- and people defend them there are lots of you yes. know people in you know intelligent people, your friend they could be your friends even who, uh, <laughs> who who defend these who defend these movies. I haven't seen a single one, so I can't uh you know I can't responsibly talk about it was but, it um, was the second one Tokyo drift
1: that was uh, the I think third it was like one. the third one yeah because okay. the second one was called too fast, too too fear. Fe- nice <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: So well, fast and Furious for cash, cash. right? Right. right think yeah. Of a three pun for the third one. <laughs> no. I, I just, I think
0: they should have gone on with that Tokyo Drift thing, though. That sounded the drifting thing. Yeah, that that seemed like a maybe that's a new spin off they can do.
1: Final yeah, time. and
0: it was much more like a video game, which I appreciated <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
2: from from what I could tell.
1: I asked yeah. someone about that because apparently and I'm sorry to give spoilers for this, I don't know, twelve year old Hey, they're on the back year, of every car. It. Boom. Okay. Well oh. <laughs> I, I thought the, the the Tokyo part of Tokyo Drift he like uh he died in that movie, but he's like in the current ones. And someone tried to explain it to me and I would it was like listening to a metal Metal Gear Solid history. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I was thinking, like, there's no way Fast and the Furious should be this complicated.
2: Uh, it's got deep lore.
1: Deep, deep <laughs> Apparently lore.
3: Apparently, it does. Apparently, oh, it does. I know. Uh, I know how they can continue the franchise. They just won't cut out the gay sex scenes. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody watches American Dad. Just me. All right. So um,
1: this week, on what you need to know, um, all month we've been discussing Halloween um, I mean, themed topics.
0: Isn't isn't Paul Walker dying in a car crash like Clint Eastwood dying in a street gunfight? I and mean, it's like a weird thing, isn't it? Isn't that like a little weird?
1: It seems a little it's weird. It's a karmic irony. Yeah, something. Yeah. We we should only talk so deeply about this because throughout the year we've been making offhand comments about things, and they and come they true. Come- <laughs> 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 Killed a couple of people. Any Clint Eastwood fans? We apologize in advance.
3: He's... Well, he is in his early hundreds, so. He's
1: just... <laughs> well, he's gonna. We wish
3: him no harm. Yeah, I love yeah.
0: He's about to direct a new movie, so there you go. So...
1: I saw that actually. Um... Hospice. <laughs> <I> was like. <laughs> Speaking of
0: Walker, what? <laughs> Does he,
3: talk to <laughs> he just talks to a chair for two and a half hours. <laughs> An empty chair. <laughs> I've been waiting for that sequel (laughs) because you demanded it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We love you, Clint. Uh, We know you're a listener, so. (laughs)
1: Live long and prosper. (laughs) So um, this week we wanted to talk about um, why audiences are more forgiving for uh, tropes in horror. Or I don't know. um, Do you guys think that there's a lot of tropes in horror? Lots of them. Do you think audiences are more forgiving of them than they are in, say – The tropes in a romantic comedy.
0: My first inclination is to think that these, the things we call tropes are are sort of archetypal uh, touch points that that I think that a lot of people have come to expect. Not always for the benefit of like narrative, like they don't always make things uh, better in a sort of like English major sense, right? but uh there's there's sort of like beats we all expect in our horror movies and if they don't deliver those then they confuse people. I just I just watched a movie that came out I guess last January, the uh Velvet Buzzsaw. Did you oh, guys yeah. see
3: that by any chance?
0: It was like straight to Netflix. It had Jake Gyllenhaal, it was from the same guy that directed yeah. oh, uh Nightcrawler. I
3: wanted to, I wanted to see that, but, I, but a lot of people didn't like it apparently. A lot of
0: people didn't like it, and a lot of people called it a uh, a satire. And, I, and they thought it was a dark comic satire. And I, I, I think it's the closest thing to a Clive Barker film we've seen in two decades, probably. It's, it's, I, I liked it a lot. But, but, but the, the tropes uh, that people expect in a horror film weren't all there. Like, some of them were. But, I mean, you, you start kind of expecting certain beats – Uh, to happen in the story and you know and there's things where you like you want to scream at the screen because people are splitting up and i think you know those new geico commercials are kind of laying laying into that really hard where you know the things that people do in horror movies are often stupid but i I guess the question is what's the point of the horror movie right and and when people vary from those deliberate like those deliberate tropes then the, the movies become controversial and maybe they don't do as well in the theaters i mean if you look at one of my favorite movies is the thing the John Carpenter version and and it was 82. It really audience was disappointed. They were expecting like a slasher movie or a fun sci-fi movie or something. And you get this dark and ambiguous thing and it's, it didn't deliver the same tropes people expected. And I think it made it, it, it got punished and it took decades for it to become like a success on the, the video rental circuit. Right. Um, and I think it really hurt John Carpenter, and I don't. I don't know that he ever really got over that. He kept, he kept making movies for a while, but I, I just. I think he really put so much into that, and uh, it didn't get any sort of reward for breaking the the, the mold.
1: No, I agree with you. You said um, audience expectations. I think in horror they're a little more forgiving because they like to see those um, the beats that you discussed. Whereas in in romantic comedies or just romantic dramas, like in, in romantic movies in particular, like people have a certain expectation, there's gonna be more luck and coincidence kind of plays into it. it's a little more, people are more forgiving of it in those types of movies. But if they follow too much of a pattern, they aren't derivative enough, they become formulaic. Whereas in horror, it's like you said, it's a satire, or it's really funny how they played with, with the language of horror. Um, it seems like audiences almost have a lower expectation of horror movies. Yeah. Blake, you're a huge horror fan. Or, excuse me, Rex, huge horror <laughs>
3: fan. <laughs> Call
2: me Hannibal from here on the rest of the show. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Blake nailed it. The I mean, horror fans expect a certain amount of, you know, jump scares or... Or, you know, the death by, you know, t- teenage sex. Oh, now you're going to go get killed because you're, you're a teenager having sex. But, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, some of the more, like, highly thought of uh, movies of the past decade, I would say. One in particular stood out in my mind for this whole thing is uh, The Cabin in the Woods. Uh, Drew Goddard directed that one. Uh, Joss Whedon, I think, helped write it. Um, and that movie kind of baits and switches you it, it thinks you kind of does something and you think it's going to be a little bit different and then it literally just pours horror trope after horror trope after horror trope down your throat for the last 30 minutes of it and um it's is it fun yeah it's a super fun movie um but it's it's that's all it is And to me i, I did enjoy it but people love that you know i think just audiences in general they when they go see a horror movie they want to they just want to be bombarded with that stuff now obviously we've talked about like some of the more highbrow stuff um, and exactly like what you're saying like you know like uh, midsummer turned a lot of people off hereditary turned a lot of people off because it doesn't include necessarily all the goofy jump scares and you know shower scenes
3: <laughs> and yeah stuff like right that, so. and
0: i would say those films aren't really fun are they no. uh but they do rise into what I actually consider to be true horror, and I, I like horror movies in general, in the way most people mean it. But I also like movies it, when the time is right for me personally, <laughs> for a movie that's truly horrific. And, and I think Midsummer was like that, where it's, it's like just relentless and dark, and and yet somehow gorgeous. So
2: no, it's horror horror in general as a genre is like it's such a awesome you know playpen for for storytelling, and yeah, I, I'm not. I, I forgive horror movies dumb tropes all the time because I just wanna I just, like you said, I wanna be entertained. I want it to be fun. If it's not doing those things, uh, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Why we accept it so much with horror over like other stuff? I don't know. I would say westerns are pretty, you know <laughs> that's pretty formulaic and you there's some definitely some slocky stuff you expect out of the westerns, but you know, horror is by far the the most uh, I don't know, lenient with that, I guess.
1: Yeah, I was but, thinking about it because I've been seeing rideshare um, stalker movies. I've seen a lot of those in the past few weeks. Like, I swear I've seen four or five of them where someone goes and gets an Uber, and the driver turns out to be like it, it turns out to be like a cable guy, single white female sort of situation. <laughs> and every time I watch it, I'm like, okay, this is this is stupid. Like, I've 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 seen this movie except this one's in Los Angeles, and the last time I saw it was in New York, and it's. Whereas if it were a horror movie, I'd be like, okay, like they're, they're, they're doing it. They're, they, they got the stalker guy. Now he's following the, he's following his target and he's going to call him to see what he's doing. It turns out the guy's ghosting him. So now he's going to find out he's a liar and he's going to put, I don't know, he's going to kill his rabbit or something. But in a thriller, it's like, okay, like you need to do something new for me. Whereas with horror, okay, were- like that, that's cool. They're hitting all the right beats where with a thriller, it's like, okay, it's it's typical and boring and formulaic.
3: Yeah, I'm not really – I haven't historically been a a horror fan, so to speak. Uh, My wife is, and she's trying to get me into it. And I think I appreciate it, and I think you guys are right from my uh, surficial examination. It's kind of like comics in a way because, uh, you know, you have your insular fan community uh, to a degree. Um, You know, some things break out, but mostly you're playing to the fandom, and, uh, you know, a new X-Men writer starts and you kind of expect they're going to do a Phoenix story, uh, uh, you know, a Spider-Man writer has to write his goblin story and all of this. So, um, yeah, I, 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 can definitely see that there are certain people who are like, yeah, you can give me something a little new, but you better give me that comfort food too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if if you think down of, down uh,
0: Halloween three, uh, <laughs> where they, oh, yeah. it was Halloween one and two are strictly Michael Myers and three goes back to as i understand it the original plan was to have each halloween movie be a standalone story and so the third one they go off and do something completely different in fact they have the halloween movie show up in the halloween 3 movie as a tv movie implying that what you're seeing here is a real thing and that was just some movie it's it's interesting It was apparently originally written by Nigel Neal, and it had, like, these sort of folk car elements, and then it was rewritten, and a lot of changes happened. So it ended up really making people mad. So I didn't watch it back in the 80s, and I just watched it last year for the first time, last Halloween, and uh, I liked it, but but I – came super well prepared to know that i wasn't going to get what i would normally expect with a halloween movie and so i was seeing it as a standalone thing that wasn't part of that that rest of that world but without that preparation i think anybody who went to see it would have been really disappointed if they were expecting more of the same you go order chili at waffle house you damn well expect there to be some beans and beef you know (laughs) and this was like something completely different so
2: Oh yeah, no, and it so you liked it, I and I do too. But I when I first watched it, I was like you know like a kid, like twelve or thirteen or something, and I'm watching it with my brother, and we had rented like all the Halloweens like from the video store, and we throw it. And like I remember still to this day, like the movie was almost over, and I was like, Michael Myers is still going to show up. Yeah, right? exactly <laughs> right.
0: It's li- it it it's like one of these things doesn't belong here. Right, yeah, it it doesn't fit. I tried to view it as a standalone thing, and I also. Yeah having read and watched a lot of Nigel Neal stuff, I, I I saw his influences on it, so and we'll talk about that later down here if we get to these other things we're supposed to talk about, but I'm a big fan of Nigel Neal who did like Quater Mass, and uh, he, his, his influence is uh, good, good. I think it's a good thing.
1: So, and and you stuff. brought up an interesting point we should we, something I guess we can talk about sometime in the future. Uh, whatever happened to the shower scene? Man, it truly. No longer exists. Uh, Russell Massacre had one that's true and that's a very recent uh, horror movie so this week our main segment it's about uh, we've been doing halloween stuff all for the month of october so this month we're going to touch on or this week we're going to touch on cryptid cryptids creeps and crazies that are associated with halloween so uh we've talked a lot about cryptids uh last week blake and i saw the mothman legacy so which cryptid do you guys think is perfect for halloween
3: um, well, my I have a, I have a the first thing when I when I saw this question the first thing that popped into my head was bat squatch because <laughs> <laughs> when I think when I think about uh, Halloween I think about you know bats and vampires and the the whole wings the leathery wings thing just popped into my head and it's weird because bat squatch is one of the most unbelievable cryptids probably because I know Blake you've talked about this before. But you got a, a, you know, let's face it, we're all four limbed animals. I mean, the tetrapod body type has gone back, you know, billions of years. Well, maybe not billions, but pretty close. And, um, you know, you've got your, your four limbed ape. Bigfoot is kind of believable. It's just a big ape hanging around in the woods. But you put wings on him and you give him a second, uh, you know, a third set of limbs that's pretty unbelievable and it's so unbelievable and pretty awesome that, yeah, um, awesome
1: <laughs> the one that and this is a recency bias thing but for me it's mothman um last week blake and i were talking about it and i told him that uh i i didn't know mothman was a harbinger of doom like every time i saw a picture of him aside from this documentary he was always really cute and he looked really funny <laughs> oh so when, when i saw this doc when i saw this documentary i was like man this thing's really evil and scary yeah. and demonic and i think oh. that's
3: i think you can blame etsy for the cutification of mothman <laughs> well, that's, um,
1: yeah yeah
3: but i tell you what i just got my uh nycc exclusive mothman funko pop and he <laughs> is adorable and <laughs> but he is know. also he is also very very close to the original descriptions uh which is aw- awesome that they were able to and kind what of about you rex uh,
1: what do you think is the best <laughs> cryptid for halloween
2: uh, I said it on our last cryptid show. I'm a big Mongolian death worm guy, <laughs> so I uh, I'm a big fan of uh, squirmy, like horrifying stuff, and it uh, just reminds me of Trimmers. Well, Trimmers is one of my all time favorite <laughs> Ooh, good movie <laughs> horror yeah. movies. Oh, I love it! Yeah, just watched it. And this
1: plays ago. also to your your fear of centipedes, right?
2: Oh God! Yeah, yes, I actually yes.
1: Let's not, yeah. <laughs> oh no no I was I wasn't poking at you because I mean, <laughs> Mongolian deathworm would be bad. Squatch sounds I mean, since you already have a, a an aversion to those types of animals.
0: I think Bat Squatch sounds implausible until you find out that a criminal shot his parents right in front of him.
3: Uh huh. In an alley. Yeah. In an alley. <laughs> An alley in the Pacific Northwest. Exactly.
0: They had gone to see Boggy so, so. Creek and right after the movie, um, both of his parents were gunned down. And so that kinda changes the plausibility a bit. So Yeah. Touché. Uh yeah. So I, I thought about this uh, probably more than I should have, but I I kept thinking, well, to be Halloween themed, it, it needs to be probably American or British and it needs to be nocturnal. And it needs to blend in with trick or treaters so it can move around without being noticed. And so, I, for me, I thought that's probably Bigfoot or Dogman. And between those two, I'm inclined to go with Dogman since that's more of a horror. It's more closer to like what we think of as like a, a Wolfman type creature. It's just more creepy.
1: I'm 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 unfamiliar with Dogman. What's like the well? It's the like a,
0: of- a a person and a dog combined. So it really looks like a werewolf. It explains it, it, the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a really good name. Really good, good quality branding in the name um it's where, uh, where were his
3: where were his parents shot yeah
0: <laughs> well uh, let's see the beast of bray road i think is in uh <laughs> let's see This is gonna mess me up wisconsin i think i think it's yeah, i think you're right yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. um and uh anyway it's a it's sort of like okay, kind of like Goatman. you know Goatman? have you heard of Goatman? there's a few goatmen around the country um <laughs> but they're all they all come from the same kind of story the goat man does where you know sometimes a farmer and a or i guess a shepherd and a goat <laughs> love each other very much and and <laughs> and this leads to goatman and almost invariably they hang around bridges and tunnels uh, uh, like, like a troll like a troll goat sort of creature and so dogman's kind of the same way it runs down the street you know parallel to your car it pulls you out of your car it claws at your car uh, it's it's a scary monster. I mean, it's it's a h- upright humanoid. looks like a half dog, half man with a tail. That's an important feature. Um, yeah, so not very plausible from a biological perspective, but uh, very commonly described as Bigfoot-like, except for the tail. And then it has like a long. Some people say dog-like. Personally, I'm inclined to say bear-like muzzle. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah
2: I, I hear dog man and i picture the end of the howling where the, like the woman turns into like a cocker spaniel <laughs> yeah well I,
0: have you ever seen dog soldiers yeah i love yes, dog soldiers. Yeah, yeah so i, yeah, I think yeah. if you picture the creatures from dog soldiers i think you're pretty much picturing the right thing
1: i was thinking because i i thought of dog soldiers and i was thinking aside from that I, I didn't think of the howling until uh rex mentioned it right now but like a dog man sounds inc- frightening like more so than a werewolf even but you don't really see that much of them unless you're talking fantasy and you see all kinds of dogmen it seems like
0: yeah Yeah. the thing about dogmen is people see them i mean people really report them as serious sightings um it's it's a very like i don't like if there was some site where we rated popularity of cryptids by the number of people who see them dogmen's up there like people report them a lot so very implausible but but highly reported yeah, that's a thing.
1: <laughs> so why aren't uh, cryptids more associated with Halloween? I mean, they're frightening; they, they can be very frightening. Even the cutest one, like Mothman, can be very frightening. Um, but you don't hear you hear about them throughout the year, but not so much in uh, during October. Oh, why do you guys think that?
0: I, I have a theory as the guest. I'm going to throw this out here. My theory is that we we associate Halloween with the supernatural, but most cryptids are generally thought of as being natural but un, unknown to science creatures. Like, just the majority of them, there's plausible explanations for them. We've just talked about a few that don't have that. But if you if you consider that, like, I think Halloween itself as a holiday is more about supernatural monsters um, and magic and that sort of liminal space between the natural and the unnatural. So I think that's why cryptids aren't necessarily heavily associated with the holiday. That's my serious answer. <coughs> My, my less serious answer has something to do with candy, but that's all I can say.
3: <laughs> Blake, Blake, I like your answer, but at the same time, it's kind of overlooking that Bigfoot kind of is crossing over into the supernatural these days. Uh, I know your friend Jeb J. Card is uh, is all in on that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, you mean talking about, you're talking about uh, ultra-terrestrial Bigfoot?
3: Yes, yeah, my favorite yeah. thing in the world.
2: Oh, what a great name for a band. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I, I years ago on Coast to Coast AM, I was listening to a first hand account of uh Bigfoot. And um and I guess maybe this will branch into that. The she thought that Bigfoot was like an interdimensional beast.
3: Yeah, there you go.
2: That came to their dimension to escape bigger predator that was chasing it. I just thought that was like wow. That really plus the whole story and I kinda love it.
0: <laughs> I like that part, yeah. 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 the the the, sort of you can only hear them if you have a wind-up radio from the ukraine company (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah you got a radio with tubes in it you're in business (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) that you know i hadn't heard that particular story where they were uh, escaping a bigger predator but i have heard a lot lately about the reason that people see them in the pacific northwest but they also see them in on the east coast is because they're able to travel through different dimensions or even time travel and the first time i saw it was when in um one of those uh, small-town monster productions, and I thought it was the most ridiculous thing uh, since. I, and this is Bigfoot we're talking about. I'm already thinking, like, oh, my God, that's so dumb that he can travel through portals. Mm-hmm. But since I heard it that first time, I've heard it a whole lot more, so I'm beginning to think, like, maybe that does explain all the sightings in Ohio.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. it's a nice bit of special pleading to say, <laughs> well, the reason you can't exactly. find them is because they can travel, they can appear and disappear through portals or through uh, strange technology. Uh, I mean, we don't know for sure they, that they didn't come from Black Mesa, um, but <laughs> <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> they, but yeah, like the um, Skinwalker Ranch uh, in Utah that the, they reported, like literally seeing doors open up and Bigfoot creatures stepping out. They they've been closely associated with UFO cases in Pennsylvania. Lots of people report and I find this interesting, they report smelling sulfur as though they're demonic creatures. Like they're they're <laughs> so it's not like a technological apportation, it's more like a demonic uh, development. So there's lots of different takes. I i I, I think I've if you haven't caught on to it, I'm pretty skeptical of all of them. But the <laughs> but they're really interesting and they're they're great stories. I mean, these are good campfire stories, you know. Well, yeah.
2: oh, that so that's perfect.
0: So you've been doing this a
2: long time. What's the what's this like true campfire scary campfire story you would tell that you've heard from the Bigfoot encounter?
0: To me, I would I would probably go okay. Well, if it was Bigfoot in particular, I'd yeah. probably go with the Ape Canyon story, which takes place. Uh, golly, off the top of my head, I think it was in the 19 early 1930s. I think, but it was uh, a group of miners are in a cabin and they are attacked by ape-like creatures in the night and then ultimately they live and get away but but they spend all night shooting through chinks in the cabin and trying to you know stop these creatures in the morning there's no bodies you know there's no proof but they come back out and report their story to the newspapers, so it does get out there and then decades go by and then after sort of the popularity of the Patterson Gimlin film, I believe at the, at the time he's right. Uh, one of the survivors of that whole thing wrote a book called I Survive," like I Survived the, you know, Attack at Ape Canyon uh, and has a book. And it's an interesting book. You can find it online as a PDF But because what's missing, like you always see it on Bigfoot movies and documentaries and stuff is being like this interesting, really naturalistic, uh, you know, sort of recreation of Bigfoot creatures attacking these miners at this cabin. But there was like a spiritualist side to it as well. Like these guys were trying to use spiritualism and communicating with the dead in order to find good mining locations. So there's a lot more weird supernatural aspects to that story. It's, it's it's pretty creepy.
1: The um, as you mentioned a campfire tale. So when you're young, it's kind of obvious why you would be interested in these stories. They're fantastic. They're cool. They're and and they're scary. But it really stays with people, for some people, it stays with them their entire lives, like this strong belief in whether it's the Chupacabra or whether it's, you know, Mothman. Um, what is the appeal of cryptids, especially nowadays? We see hear a lot about cryptids.
0: Okay, I think the appeal of cryptids is they're monsters who generally have more plausibility than... Well, you know in a world that's increasingly based, or well, I say increasingly, let's say <laughs> that the academic side of the world, the scientific side of the world, the materialist side of the world thinks that the world is becoming better known. Obviously, the past four or five years have shown me that <laughs> it's not a universally accepted thing. Uh, there's some people who don't feel that way, but in general, I think we're pushing towards more and more. Uh certitude in in science around a natural materialist world. and so these these are monsters that might exist. These are monsters that have a higher degree of plausibility than the you know ghosts or um, vampires, that sort of thing. you know So uh, as a consequence, they become better stories to tell around the campfire. They become better companions to folklore. I, th- I think in, like, you know, when people say I saw a monster, if you say you saw Frankenstein's monster, I think people are generally going <laughs> to disbelieve you, right? You know, <laughs> but if you say you saw Bigfoot, you still get a monster story, but it's not nearly as implausible. Totally.
2: Uh, you know what? I think another aspect of it, too, is, like, the – well, uh, just one side would be, like, the historical cryptids, like – the, the stuff that's supposed to be, like, the dinosaur that's living in the Amazon or, like, Nessie could have been, like, this some kind of, you know, Paleozoic or whatever, you know, era dinosaur living in the lock or whatever. And I think there is that kind of, like, history aspect to, like, the cryptid thing that kind of, it always intrigued me. I always liked those kind of like historical accounts of like oh it was seen, you know, even like the like the the woodpecker that everyone claims oh, yeah, yeah, that doesn't yeah. exist anymore. You know, like God I think that stuff's kind of yeah. Was it ivory-billed woodpecker? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um I think the historical aspect of it is another like really intriguing kind well, I mean, of
0: the- I'm super skeptical, but when I go driving at night in the country, I I still Kind of hope to see a Bigfoot and to hit it with my car and kill it and it become rich and famous. Yeah. So,
1: well, I think you actually kind of touched on it is that uh, we want to believe that there's something more out there, um, especially right now when everything is so, this is like a dumpster fire in the world. I mean, it would be great if there was, like I said, a Bigfoot out in the country or here in central Texas, if there was a goat man. Wandering around, (laughs) that'd be
3: kind of... No, you don't want Goatman. He's not a nice person.
1: (laughs) Well, if I see him from a distance in my car, like I think I'd be pretty cool with him. (laughs) Uh, What do you guys think is the best monster, or even creep, or fictional or not? That's uh, best suited for best personifies Halloween. I'll go with the generic one. Um, What's his name? Sam from Trick or Treat. I mean, little dude. He does have a pumpkin head. Although, so does Pumpkinhead. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) <laughs> well, boy, Pumpkinhead's not a great flick. Uh,
0: it's no, got, it's, it's got Lance show. Hendrickson, right? I, that, it does. Yes. Okay, yeah, So that gives it some points. Was in performance. <laughs> well, I think I think uh, I, that one was delayed. I saw that one in the theater because I'm old. Um, I, I remember like I read Fangoria and I was like, oh, this movie looks good, Pumpkinhead. I and mean, it was like a year or more before it actually hit the theater, and it only hit for like a couple of weekends. I still, so I enjoyed seeing it, but yeah, it it's it doesn't hold up that well. Although I enjoy seeing <laughs> Rawhead Rex, that also doesn't hold up that well. It turns out I didn't have much discernment as a young man. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how we all got into the job. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: well, I recently saw um, Tammy and the T Rex. Like last year, I saw the. Uh, unedited version of because it when it came out it was pg-13 I'm actually tying back into paul walker because he's in it but they wanted it to be a family-friendly movie but when they the studio wanted it to be when they initially made it it was a straight-up rated r like gore fest oh so, uh, that's the cut that i saw and uh it's horrible but it's a really really fun movie i mean it's paul walker you're talking he, paul walker's brain and voice in an animatronic dinosaur I mean, what more can you ask for <laughs>
3: Wow, <laughs> and there and Stop. there you have the reboot of Fast and the Furious. <laughs> there it is.
1: Answers all our questions.
2: That's Julie Harris. Uh, best Creeper Halloween Creeper. Man, that's tough. That's tough. If we're going to go beastly, yeah, I'm going to go werewolves. Like, yeah, it's hard to get off werewolves and dog, dogmen, dog people. I like, I like.
0: I, that. I, I can't help but think of Paul Walker in a, in a reboot of Theodore Rex right now. So <laughs> I, I'm having a moment. <laughs> I,
3: I kind of envisioned him as Gizmo Duck. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you, you know what? I uh, I actually just listened to this episode recently, Blake, the uh, episode you did on Black Eyed Kids with, uh, with Jerry Dre. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was something like, like, you know, I'm old too, so I was a kid in the 80s, and that's when I was in all this stuff. And, you know, in the 90s too. And I. You know, I a lot of people talk about black-eyed kids now, and I'm like, I don't remember hearing about this. But it turns out, it as popular as it seems to be, it didn't really come up until like 1997, right? Something right, like that?
0: right. Yeah, it's really, really new. It's weird. There's this sort of bias of the now of the present. Like, for example, have you ever heard the phrase "If it ain't broke, don't fix it"? <laughs> yeah. How old would you think that was? It that sounds like old folk, like old folk saying to me, but Would you believe that comes from the mid nineteen seventies?
3: Wow,
0: it's like weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's like just like we just don't understand. I mean, like you really have to go look at the history of this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's weird. So, but yeah, yeah, you are right. Like a lot of this stuff seems old. I mean, like like the Ape Canyon case makes it feel like Bigfoot's ancient, but that was not really described as a Bigfoot case, and like really until the Jerry Crew like footprint hoaxes in the nineteen fifties, there wasn't any such thing as Bigfoot uh this concept of sasquatch was not about a giant hairy monster so much as it was about a giant tribe of native americans that people said they saw like the like like some of the natives described them as being more animal-like but like the whole thing with them being covered with hair was a, really a product of the bigfoot sort of mashup of the 1950s so um i don't i don't know but i mean like i it feels to me more like bigfoot is a is a social construct you know um that being said, um, the movies about it messed me up as a kid and like still I think that shows my podcasting. <laughs> it's like, like does it doesn't matter if they're real or not, they haunt me.
1: <laughs> so what is there talking about uh, movies that haunt you or stories that haunt you? What what do you think is the best Halloween story about cryptids or creeps or monsters? Um, I i do not know if it's a Halloween story per se, but I really like Troll Hunter. I think that's Oh, Troll Hunter's story. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Troll Hunter's great.
0: Yeah, that that's such a fantastic serious take on the troll mythology, right? Uh I I heard they were going to make an American like an English version of it and I never saw that materialize, but I'm kind of happy. I think it, it it works so well as a subtitled foreign film. I'm very happy with that.
1: Yeah, I think um what's his name was attached to it? Uh Christopher Columbus. Um he was gonna he at one point he was supposed to do it, which I guess it would be pretty neat, but I agree with you. Um it's uh only now it's
0: a should. gang of plucky kids against the <laughs> you know, <it's> like...
1: <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. Which is entertaining in its own way, I would imagine. But <laughs> if you're
3: if you're proposing um a, a, a monster squad reboot, I'm listening. <laughs> so, oh, that is such absolutely. a great film. Yeah. Uh, Wolfman has yards. Tracks- uh, <laughs>
2: I have a rich tradition of watching Creature from the Black Lagoon uh, every Halloween. So that's 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 my go-to old-school classic cryptid. What a great story. Schlocky but awesome. H- hilarious theme music for every time you see the monster. Um, but the more modern take, and I don't know if you guys will agree if this is a cryptid or not, because it's like a killer vine plant. It's in the ruins. Have you guys seen the room? I have seen that. I love yes. that movie. Yeah, I love it, and I think that's such a cool, creepy concept. And it's like, like Kuzu,
0: the motion picture. What? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 it hits on different levels. You know, it it there's like a whole like it kind of kind of infect you uh, aspect to it. And I think yeah, I think it's a super great like change of pace uh, for like Hollywood, ha- Halloween uh, cryptid movie watching it.
1: No, it's a lot of fun. Um... I was expecting something more akin to um, a little shop of horrors, so (laughs) it totally threw me off. Seymour, I see Blake. You have uh, the Legend of Boggy Creek down here. Um, I've seen the first one; it's a little slow in retrospect, but um, I've never seen the sequel. Like, and I always wondered how (laughs) could they how could they make a sequel out of that? Have have any of you guys seen the Legend of Boggy Creek two?
0: I've seen that. There's, I think, there's two sequels. And one wow. of them was done on Mystery Science Theater, um, which says a lot about its quality. Which is hilarious. One yeah, of my yeah, favorite episodes. Yeah. Um, I, I have only seen that one in the original, and and they just did a 4K restoration of the original. It looks really good. I, you know, so I, I on my Patreon feed, I do a, a sub podcast I call Big Footage, where I go back and watch <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot movies and give reviews and uh I, I i haven't done boggy creek yet but i've i've done um some others and what i've noticed is there's this recurring tendency to have like a sort of a guitar folksy kind of song going on during the movie and boggy creek was sort of the progenitor of all that and uh there's this Crabtree song in there that will haunt you. And, and it, <laughs> the more these movies I watch, the more I've become concerned that every one of them until I get into the 80s is going to have this feature. And it's not... It's more of a bug than a feature.
1: <laughs> so it didn't start with deliverance. Right? No, <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: no, I think Boggy Creek really nailed this. Um, uh, yeah, it, and it's just like these earworms that are buried in these things. I, I... I I know I don't want to like change topics, but we did. I did give a little list here of of suggested uh, Halloween friendly uh, cryptid movies. Do you want to talk about yeah. that?
1: Yes. Yeah, you have some good ones on there, actually.
0: Yeah, I, I I started out with like one of the earliest ones, which is the Abominable Snowman of the Himalayas, or or the Himalayas, as they say. Um, and that was a real treat. It's got Forrest Tucker and Peter Cushing. And just because Forrest Tucker's in it does not make it a bad movie. I think that's important. To say <laughs> <out>. so, <laughs> that was written by Nigel Neal, And it was originally a TV movie in the, on, for the BBC. And then Hammer made it into a motion picture. It's good. It's real good. Um, you know, it's got some problematic cultural stuff around Tibet. But other than that, I think you'll really get a treat out. I mean, like, it's really fun. Um it's, uh, it's It's got some nice sort of – it's not so much supernatural as it is mystical. So it's like the the yetis uh, seem to have like some mystical wisdom in the sort of theosophical sort of sense. It's fun. It's really good. And um, I put The Legend of Boggy Creek on here. This is the uh, a supposedly true story of the Falk monster of Arkansas. The fun thing about that is a lot of the people in the movie were actually people who participated or experienced the original – sort of monster flap there. So they're not actors. And I mean, I think if you're a discerning movie viewer, you can tell who's an actor and who isn't. (laughs) I think anybody sober can tell, honestly. So yeah, but that's a fun, it's a fun one. As you say, it is a little slow, but it's got some really good moments in it. Um, I put The Creature of Black Lake. Um, This one is full of character actors that you're going to recognize it's a story of uh, a couple of anthropology students, uh, one of who is like a Vietnam vet, who go into the swamps to look for this mysterious Bigfoot-like creature. And it's uh, it's good. It's real good. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, got better pacing than Boggy Creek. Uh, good special effects. It's got some damn weird moments in it with peculiar dialogue, but stick with it. It, it gets really good. Um, and then I put in... Uh, my, probably my very, this is probably the most influential movie I ever saw, uh, from, for my monster interest, And this is The Mysterious Monster. It's got Peter Graves as the narrator and host of this movie that's basically a discussion of Bigfoot, Nessie, and the Yeti. Um, and it's got some really great moments and some good monster costumes. So, a lot of fun. Yeah. Is that
3: is that meant to be like a documentary?
0: It is meant to be a documentary. Uh it's um it's
3: I've never heard of this.
0: Oh oh it's seek it out. I can send you links. It's a, the whole movie is available on uh, YouTube if you need to see it. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I was
3: uh, I was telling the I was telling the guys earlier about your other podcast uh In Research of. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's, is that a rewatch? Is that, am I right? That's a rewatch of the original In Search Of?
0: We are watching every episode of In Search Of. And as we like to put it, we're bringing the uh, sort of science and information that the producers chose not to include. (laughs) Like (laughs) like they they say in every episode, like, you know, these are just some of the explanations, you know, know, not the only ones. And so we sort of fill in the blanks on the rest of that. So Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. And we, I think we did an, I can't remember... I can't remember if I did it for big footage or on in research of, but we I did cover the mysterious monsters because it's a very influential movie, uh, at least to me.
1: So, <laughs> but well, the mysterious monsters actually sounds a lot like um, Ghost Watch.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I love Ghost Watch, but Ghost Watch was intentionally, a, 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 you know, it's a fake. Yeah, but, yeah, that was a fake. Yeah, but Mysterious Monsters is absolutely sincere the whole time. Uh, oh yeah. So I mean they they are they're they, they're absolutely presenting this as though it's a real scientific investigation into cryptozoology. Uh yeah, it's a treat. Highly recommend. Yeah. It's
2: got great VHS box art. <laughs>
1: That's always a plus. Yes.
0: It does. It, has a, it really the, does. The <laughs> the movie poster is superb. Yeah, it's um, super good. Um I put a couple more down here. There's there's a few movies now about the Wendigo, but at the time this was made, this may have been the only movie about the Wendigo. This is the movie *Ravenous*. Uh, it's a peculiar film. It's got Guy Pierce and David Arquette and the problematic Jeffrey Jones. So,
3: <laughs> so when was this made?
0: Ooh, oh, 98? About, about ninety eight ninety nine. It was right yeah. before I got married. I remember that. But yeah, so basically, I don't know if there's a little thing at the end, no children were harmed in making this film. But yeah, it's uh, got Jeffrey Jones in it. But uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Jones, trigger warnings aside, it's a really fun uh-huh. movie.
3: So. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it is. It's actually <laughs> a fantastic. Movie. I love that movie. And it, highly underrated. You don't hear people talking about. You it. You
0: don't. Either. But it's really. I mean, it's. I think it gets to the the whole idea about the Wendigo is not that it's a big monster, but it, that it's a spirit that possesses a human, and that's right. what this movie is all about. And it's, it's. I think it's really a fun. I mean, can you? Can any Westerner, American, you know, invader really talk about the North American? Uh, tribal traditions of the Wendigo fairly. I don't. I don't think so. But Probably if not. you're willing to just you know take a shot and you know accept that this is cultural appropriation, um, some great storytelling um, of of, of monster and horror here, and a lot of psychology stuff. So it's it's fun. It's fun. Oh. But it's got Jeffrey Jones. So yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Anyway, and then the last one I put on my list is um, a film that is in no way accurate to the book. Yet is absolutely accurate to the spirit of the book, uh, the Mothman prophecies, uh, which is stars Richard Gere and is just a treat. I really, I so the Mothman prophecies tells the story of investigator John Keel and his basically year long look into the mysterious UFO and creature sightings in the Ohio River Valley, especially around Point Pleasant, um, West Virginia. Along the line, along as he's doing these investigations, a lot of weird stuff starts happening to him as an investigator. And he starts to realize that somebody's trying to tell him something. And he comes up with the idea that it's perhaps ultra And as he's investigating what they're trying to tell him, a huge tragedy hits the community. And that's all sort of played out in this story. Even though it's not historically accurate, I again, it really captures the spirit of what the book was trying to accomplish.
1: And it's a, it's a really good – actually, I was telling uh, Rex that uh, The <laughs> Mothman Prophecies was the first time that I had ever heard of The Mothman. Like, to me, it, it was uh, very regional. Very, it must have been very regional because I had never heard about it before that movie.
3: Well, yeah. as, a, as a kid reading about weird stuff, I, I always knew The Mothman, and I always knew The Mothman Prophecies. And I was always told, even in the uh, credulous uh, monster books that they marketed to kids, that uh, – uh, The uh, Mothman prophecies Okay, Mothman, you can believe that But the Mothman prophecies just came out Of uh, John Keel's head uh, Would you say that's probably accurate, Blake? When he died A lot of his peers Went on
0: to a paranormal show for a I would not call it a uh, A wake They they basically went on and, and talked about him And they described the book As uh, In cold blood for cryptids <laughs> Which is to say that it's a mixture of fact and fiction and ultimately should be viewed as a novel, not as a historical narrative. And I think that while I think they were pretty brutal in that in that discussion, um, I think it was also fairly accurate and in, in based on my own reading and research. Yeah. So he he took a lot of serious direct research and then sort of smoothed it into a smoothie of narrative fun.
1: And what do you guys think is an underrated horror movie that's perfect for halloween um kind of sticking along the same lines um i don't think we've gone too much into witches but uh blair witches was obviously a phenomenon when it came out but before blair witch there was uh, the last broadcast which i think it's it's overlooked for good reason it's just you know blair witch swept, took up every, everyone by storm but i think the last broadcast is interesting to watch just to see where uh where the blair witch got a lot of its influence from but if you like found footage, and I love found footage movies, then it's a really, really good one.
0: And it's also Jersey Devil, which is another cryptid, right?
1: Yeah. The Jersey De- that's another good one, too, actually, that no one talks about. What about you, Rex?
2: Have you seen the Poughkeepsie tapes? I mean, it's more like a serial killer thing. It's not. I've got but it, but a, I haven't watched it. I Man, it's super good. I, I would recommend it. I. It's one of those things that I kind of came late to. Um, kind of saw multiple times listed and kind of like, a, hey, you know, nobody talks about this. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a mockumentary. And, uh, you know, there's uh, there's several really good ones. Uh, you know, is it the was it the one where they fall around uh, the, the mask of of Leslie, whatever, you know, th- oh, that's Leslie a, Vernon, yeah. Leslie Vernon? Yeah, like yeah. behind the mask. I like that as a medium for like um, silly (laughs) storytelling and and I thought it was – I thought it was really good. Yeah, so check out the
1: Poughkeepsie tapes. Dog, what about – what suggestions do you have for people for their Halloween viewing?
3: Um, Well, this isn't so much a suggestion as as it is I'm going to share my pain with you. I recently watched – I believe it was on Tubi, that streaming service that was just bought by uh, Fox. I watched The Stuff – from, like, oh. 1983 or something like Larry that. Cohen's oh.
1: masterpiece? I know. I <laughs> see, talk- There's a Stuff fan here. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I love I, the Stuff Go ahead. So-
3: say your I'm piece. Sorry, hold- <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, but I saw ads for that on HBO when I was a kid and could never... You know, I was, like, five at the time, and I, and I like, you know, never knew when it was on, but it looked cool. It was like, oh, this, this Stuff is coming for you, and it's gonna get you and like i waited 35 years to see that goddamn movie and i watched the stuff and i was like this is one of the worst things i've ever experienced in my life you don't want to watch people eat soft serve creamy soft serve for an hour and a half what's your problem so I, I would think there would be some sexual innuendo there but there really isn't <laughs> no no
0: this that that movie is entirely about 80s consumerism so i, I think it's <laughs> totally. Uh, it's the low budget version of dawn of the dead right so dawn of the dead's all about american consumerism i think the stuff is too so i i i could totally see where you would see it as being an a, an insubstantial and insufficient horror film but on the other hand as a satire of american consumerism and the 80s sort of commercial culture poof, man it's pretty good it's pretty good as <laughs> satire i don't know again not a great horror film. But Michael Moriarty really leans into that role, doesn't he? I mean, oh, he, he never, so good. he <laughs> never, ever, like, phones it in. Ever. Not for Larry. Like, if it's Larry Cohen and Michael Moriarty, doesn't matter what the movie. Have you ever seen Q, The Winged Serpent? Yeah. I know it's like, it's like this mediocre B movie. And then, like, suddenly Michael Moriarty's going for an Oscar. Like, what the hell? Like, why is he in this movie? It's
3: so weird. So. Well, let's, <laughs> let's not uh, let's not forget Paul Sorvino as the racist militia man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Patriotic right. American, I think, is what. You're
3: <laughs> <right>. <laughs> uh you want to talk about a prescient movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the stuff like
1: I, I kind of lie in between everybody um like my wife loves it, and kind of to, to rex's point she sees the stuff and she always thinks that i wonder what it tastes like, like yes I want it yes to, <laughs> you know. it's uh yeah i get the 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 satire and the consumerism message i think is it's cool for what that michael moriarty Mar, michael moriarty is awesome he does a really good job in it but, I don't know, it always leaves me kind of wanting. Uh, there is the the really cool um, head explosion scene with uh, Garrett Morris. Yes. But, uh,
0: yes. That is absolutely, yeah. It, it His movies are almost always uneven. I mean, absolutely uneven. But I have this, this is this is my <laughs> defect, curse, whatever. I, I really, when I watch a movie, I'm very inclined, unless it's a big budget movie, I'm inclined to go, I see what they're going for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: Larry Cohen has a really cool movie about a killer. I I saw it a long time ago. I believe it's a killer ambulance in New York City, and um, it just goes around, and when people are being carried off to the hospital, is that Eric Roberts
0: in it? Yes, yes. Oh my (laughs) God. Okay, (laughs) I haven't seen it, but I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, I didn't realize that was what it was
3: about. (laughs) Yeah, it's just
1: an an ambulance that's.
3: like I just saw it and I didn't realize that was
1: an <laughs> it. It's sort of like Christine, kind of, except it doesn't have that depth to it. It's just wow. It, <laughs> I know, like, that's, that's it's not, not just, as nuanced as Christine, but <laughs> no, it, doesn't have those, it doesn't have those layers that Stephen King did. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, it's Halloween and we kind of wanted to have fun with. So what just basic halloween traditions do you guys have i used to do 31 days of halloween in the past couple of years i haven't been able to but uh we do watch trick-or-treat every year um this year i don't know if we're gonna get it in but they have that gulag thing on shutter so we have that up in in lieu of uh carving a pumpkin.
0: wait what's it called
1: the log. it's just an hour of a pumpkin carved to look like sam's face
0: wow yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, you <my laughs> Yes, uh, yes. I thought good.
0: it was like a like a, a place where you could write down what movies you watch for 31 days. But yeah, I I,
1: well, I they used do to... have a hotline you can call.
0: Well, <laughs> wow. I used to watch like AMC and Turner Classic Movies used to always do monster movies uh, mm-hmm. every night. I don't know if they still do or not, but I, we cut cable and that really messed up my traditions. <laughs> I've still got yeah. I've still got though so many recordings. Of Monster Vision and those Turner Classic Specials, um, the Joe Bob stuff they did around ninety eight, ninety nine, and I ripped a lot of them to DVD. And when my son got a little older, I introduced him to so many movies by giving him not just the movies on DVD or whatever, but by like specifically mm-hmm. giving him the ones with introductions by Roger Corman and that kind of stuff. And so, oh, oh cool. that's cool. It really is. It's like you know, they you can't stream those anywhere, but because I've got them. You know, he's able to watch these things and have like these really important pe- people who are important to me give him the same introductions. And I, I think it's really fun nurturing, you know, that same sort of love for this stuff. So, you know, he's a way bigger kaiju fan than I am, but otherwise, you know, great, great similar tastes.
1: And Joe Bob Bob actually is uh, the the, the, his special is coming on tomorrow. Oh, Friday, Friday, Friday.
0: Yeah, my wife's birthday. What a wait! You know, she's so tall. My wife, I love her. So she's she's (laughs) so tolerant of my monster situation. Yeah, (laughs) and my she's right behind you. Is not (laughs) she? No, no, no. But she did while we were talking. She brought me a fresh Moscow Mule. How about that? So wow, yeah, Uh, there you go. That's love, man. That's love.
2: That's a tradition I, I can get on board with. Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, mine's pretty simple. I like Pat. I did the uh, 31 days of horror uh, Halloween for, you know, many years. And, um, now I, I kind of, I don't ingest quite so much, uh, horror throughout the month, but, uh, Halloween night, I've always, always, always have uh, watched Reanimator. I love Reanimator. It's like I always save saved it for Halloween night, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's like the two movies I will get in on Halloween night and drink a bunch of dark, uh, like heavily alcoholed beer, and nice. it'll <laughs> and,
1: it, and it makes me uh, fall asleep on the couch, and it's great. And trick or treat, there you go. Well, and dog, do you have any Halloween tradition?
3: Uh, not really, other than, like, hiding from trick-or-treaters and, you know, <laughs> trying to avoid uh, contact. Um, but I'm glad we do 31 Days of Halloween on the site on AIPT, because it gives us a good excuse to talk about spooky stuff. Uh, we just put up recently, um, a review by Kendra Reed, one of my number one cryptid lovers, uh, tracking the, uh, review of Tracking the Chupacabra, which is pretty much the, the definitive explanation for where it came from. It's really interesting. Uh, and, um, Blake, I was surprised that you had, um, is it Joe Laycock on Monster Talk? Yeah. Of Speak of the devil. We did a review of that. Uh, Marcus Seda is one of my guys from New York City Skeptics. Uh, Speak of the devil about the satanic temple and how it's uh, changing the way we talk about religion. And uh, Justin Mullis, who has been on Monster Talk, he does a lot of book reviews for me. They uh, had one on a call about authors of the impossible, which uh, goes back and looks at Charles Fort and a lot of people who have talked uh, about weird things over the over the years. And uh, speaking of Goatman, there's actually uh, if you look up Joseph Joseph Oliveira, uh, he writes all kinds of comics about cryptids, and there's one on Goatman coming up soon. I think the Kickstarter just ended, but uh, if you go to his site, uh, I'm just trying to Afterlight Comics. Uh, you can check that out it's uh it's vast nice and
1: yeah and um every saturday you can find us here um, the rest of the week you can go to aipccomics.com where you can find all of our podcasts you can also catch up with uh, our reviews and leave your thoughts like dog mentioned we're doing 31 days of halloween so we have all kinds of spooky articles up there but uh go ahead and check it out um we're also on youtube we have adventures in movies looks at dot 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 where we look at all kinds of movies and all kinds of genres. And uh, we also do the quick and dirty version of this show. So go ahead and see if you can find us.
2: Yes. And if you are on the social medias, you can follow adventures and movies over on Twitter at AIPT movies. Uh, you can follow us individually. You can follow Nathaniel. We call him Patrick. Patrick. On Instagram, at NathanPortaste. You can find Danny, who's usually here. Uh, he's at default underscore player. He's got art and stuff. You should check that out. Uh, you can find me, Blake,
3: on Twitter, at 4 Eyed Horror, And we'll start with you, Dog. Uh, where do we find you, man? Um, I'd prefer you didn't, but uh, <laughs> yeah, don't go. Don't, don't follow my personal Twitter. Go follow at AIPTScience. It's uh, all your beautiful, wonderful uh, science and skepticism in pop culture uh, download, uh, you know, just stick it in your ears and love it perfect and and Blake uh, where can we find you and all your monstery
2: activities
0: well I would recommend you go to my uh, my podcasts you go to uh, patreon.com forward slash monster talk for monster talk you can go to patreon.com forward slash in research of all one word for our uh, watching of in search of and you can go to I think it's patreon.com forward slash the horror podcast for a very uh, beloved but <laughs> neglected show where I watch horror movies and talk about them with friends. So yeah, uh, yeah. what's that like? That sounds fun. That sounds it sounds fun. like a good idea. I, I, <laughs> it's like it's, it's 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 probably my favorite thing I do and the one I neglect the most because uh, I don't know why. So <laughs> hey,
2: a ringing endorsement. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> next week, uh, tune in to this here podcast uh, where we talk about uh, real animals that kill you. Uh, in, in film
1: so <laughs> that should be a lot of fun Woo-hoo! Doing it. and uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts you can go to Spotify, uh, Amazon Music now has podcasts too so you can check us out there, you can also go to the website um, just uh, wherever you listen to us make sure to give us a rating or tell a friend to listen, Dog, thank you so much for being on the show and Blake, thank you also for sharing your knowledge with us that's
0: something I rarely hear, you're welcome <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, we'll do it again sometime next time. Hopefully I have less computer problems next time. Hey, no worries. And uh, that's your cue. We'll All right. Talk to you next week.